If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I have Oklahoma's heading to Dallas with a perfect record. The Sooners on the back of a 50-20 to win over Iowa State on Saturday night in Norman powered their way to 5-0 on the season. Next up, the number three, Texas Longhorns. Texas also 5-0 on the season. The very first time these two teams have met in the Cotton Bowl undefeated since 2011. And I got to be honest with you. I, I I have my concerns, and and it's not it's really not with Texas at this point. We'll get into that later in the week. But the Longhorns right now a five point favorite in this game over unders fifty nine and a half. Now here's something that's interesting. ESPN's matchup predictor. I'm going to watch this throughout the week because I usually hit this up on my um, on my pregame podcast, but. Um, ESPN's matchup predictors, 54.4% in favor of Oklahoma winning this game. Sooners are just blistering the scoreboards this year. 73 points against Arkansas State, 66 points against Tulsa, 50 points against Iowa State. It's the most uh, points Oklahoma has scored against Iowa State in quite some time. In fact, it's the second most points Matt Campbell's ever given up as the head coach of Iowa State. So why am I concerned? Well, I've got a couple of concerns, but then I'm also going to tell you why I'm encouraged after Saturday night. Here's the first concern. My first concern is SMU. Oklahoma wins that game 28 to 11, and I kind of touted I, I touted that SMU offense, you know, watching them be held to just 11 points against Oklahoma. Talking about, man, that's, that's a great SMU offense. And, and the next week after Oklahoma holds them to 11, they go out and they post 69 points, but that was Prairie View A&M. Then you see they get held to just 17 points against TCU. They did score 34 against Charlotte, but SMU now sitting at 3-2 and two as a team. If you listen to this podcast, you know I predicted them to be in the top 25 by the end of well, by the first week in October, and that's absolutely not going to happen regardless of what happens this coming Saturday with the Mustangs. They are not going to be in the top 25, and I, I was wrong. I was wrong about them, and by the way, they're at East Carolina on Saturday, so yeah, no chance they're going to be 
Uh, actually, they're off on Saturday. They're at East Carolina on the 12th. Zero chance that they're going to be in the top 25 next week. Um, and so that was a team that I was wrong on. But then I was like, oh, you know what? You got uh, you got that win over Cincinnati. And again, that's a terrific defensive front. I kind of touted that defensive front as one of the best in the Big 12. If you listen to what I said even last week, I talked about the Bearcats again. I was like, look, there's 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 Texas, and then possibly there's going to be Kansas State. If Oklahoma makes it to the Big 12 championship game, that could be an opponent they play there. And then there's Cincinnati, the three best opponent or potential opponent defensive fronts that Oklahoma has this season. And then they kind of get steamrolled at BYU. Now, it was a one-score game on the final, 35-27, to 27, but if you watch that game, you never really felt – that Cincinnati was, especially in the second half, you just never really felt like Cincinnati was was in that game. And, and man, now you look at this and you see Oklahoma 50-20 to 20 over Iowa State. I promise you we're going to give that in just a second. But here's my question. Then this is the concern. 73 to nothing over Arkansas State. 28 to 11 over SMU. 66 to 17 over Tulsa. 20 to 6 over Cincinnati. 50 to 20 over Iowa State. Who's your quality win? Who's that quality opponent now that you can say, yeah, these guys, they they've they've played this team, and that's a really good win. Now they're all dominant wins. I mean, they're they're all they they've covered the point spread every single game, and that's great because they've been favored every single game. Sometimes it's easier to cover the point spread when you're an underdog, but when you're a favorite to cover it five times in a row, it's pretty impressive, especially when you're double digit favorites. So you you you've got impressive wins as far as looking at the scoreboard. The closest team that's played them is Cincinnati, fourteen points. That was on the road, and and again they covered in that game. Or sometimes they got a push. It just based on I said the other night what what service you you got the spread from. But again, where's the quality opponent? And I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm not because I'm going to tell you the good news here in just a second. But my my concern is where the quality opponent lies, because we look at Texas, and and I think you can you can draw some some decent criticism for Texas, forty to fourteen over Kansas last week. That was a game into the third quarter with Kansas playing a backup quarterback. Thirty one to ten over Wyoming. I mean, they demolished Baylor. Just basically ran all over Baylor. Their quality win, though, is they beat Alabama 34-24 at Alabama. Well, this isn't the same Alabama. They're not as good as they used to be. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, not, not going to argue that. I'm not going to argue it. But Oklahoma sits at number 12 in the latest poll. Guess who's number 11? That's right, Alabama. Alabama won at Mississippi State 40 to 17 on Saturday. They beat number 15 Ole Miss, who just dethroned LSU. So yeah, it's it's not the Alabama power that we're used to. But it's a it's better than anything that's been on Oklahoma's schedule to this point. And all, all I'm saying is I I I have been uber positive. 
about this football team since they thrashed Arkansas State. And immediately you see that there are things different about this team than there were in 2022. But now they're about to face their first ranked opponent of the season. Oh, and by the way, it's the number three team in the country. And, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying this is the first time I've stepped back and I've thought, you know what? That concerns me a little bit. There were people that were concerned about the running game. I, I threw that out there last week. There are people that have, that have been and still are concerned about Dylan Gabriel. 366 passing yards, three touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. None of that matters. I mean, the guy just bulldozed a linebacker to get in the end zone, but that doesn't matter. He underthrew Brendan Thompson on Saturday night. He underthrew Jalil, or overthrew Jalil Farouk a week ago. So he's terrible. He's trash. He's garbage. I mean, people are, are they've got their concerns along the way. And I feel like, not like Sunshine Piper, uh, Pep, Sunshine, yeah, Sunshine Pumper. That's what I'm looking for. Not like Sunshine Pumper mode. But I, I feel like I've been able to, in my mind, address those concerns, maybe throw out a solution or a counter. But there is no solution. There is no counter to Oklahoma having not played a quality opponent. Great win Saturday night. But Iowa State's two and three on the season now. And their quality win is Oklahoma State. So I think when I begin to step back and, and weigh some things, I think, well, wait a minute. Yes, they're scoring points at a pretty good clip this season. I think they're the number two scoring offense in the nation. The defense is night and day difference than what it was last week, uh, last year. Now, I was thinking about Saturday night suddenly because we're going to get into that because people are, are jumping off the, uh, the Brent Venables defense bandwagon after a bad, a bad half of football. But we're, we're going to jump into that. This is a better team. And there's so many things that we can explain away. And I think that, I think for me, the one thing that I draw out of this is 5-0. and oh. Because we talked about this last week. It was that fourth game of the season when the wagon tipped over figuratively and they lost at home to Kansas State. And then that was followed by a loss at TCU. That was followed by a loss at Texas. That slide began in week four of last year. Now you're through week five and you're undefeated. So you're already ahead of where you were in 2022. But I just keep thinking in the back of my mind, have they really been tested? And we'll find out on Saturday. We'll find out for sure on Saturday. I do have some good news. I have an encouragement from Saturday night uh, against Iowa State. I want to jump into that next. Uh, and then we'll talk to our Sooner Cyclones kind of the rest of the way out. Uh, through the podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oklahoma dominates Iowa State 50-20 to on Saturday night in Norman. It's the fifth win of the season for the Sooners, who come in number 12 this week on the latest AP poll. Not quite a top 10 matchup for Oklahoma and Texas on Saturday, but it's pretty dang close. Um, and I said the first segment of this podcast, I was like, like, here's what I'm concerned about. Now let me tell you what I'm confident in. And I am I am completely 100% confident this is a much better team than what it was in 2022 and I can say that after Saturday night. And I know, I know, I know people were melting down. Iowa State comes back and makes it a 21 to 20 game there in the second quarter and and people were like, "Oh my gosh, this is the defense we were afraid of. This it was all smoke and mirrors to the first four weeks and here it is. This is a terrible Iowa State offense and by the way it is a terrible Iowa State offense but you have to give them credit for doing those counter moves those sweeps and then just two busted coverages that Oklahoma had in the defensive secondary that they absolutely took care of with a freshman quarterback I I think you have to stop for just a minute step outside of the crimson and cream glasses and say Kudos to you, Iowa State, because the the Cyclones came out throwing haymakers. They just came out throwing haymakers. Now, Oklahoma had a a good punch. They landed right from the get-go with Billy Bowman's interception return for a touchdown, but Iowa State didn't back down. You would have thought you played a freshman quarterback on the road at night. The crowd, by the way, the crowd was spectacular. And you think right there, I mean, right from the jump, you got to pick six to open up the game. And, you know, pack it up and head home, guys. But that's not what happened. They were like, hey, we have a few things. And they ended up capping, ultimately capping a nine-play 51-yard drive with a 48-yard field goal that made the score 21-20 to Oklahoma. And this is just over nine minutes. Nine minutes and some change left in the second quarter. Are you telling me that 2022, that team... Would have won this game 50 to 20. I'm not. I, I have no confidence that's happening. In 2022, that game that started out with a pick six, that had your opponent in, in a hole on the road with a hostile environment, that game is a shootout all the way through, and Oklahoma might have lost it. Iowa State. Up until that final drive to make it 21-20, Iowa State was averaging 8.4 yards per play against Oklahoma's defense. And we've been touting this defense. 
touting them. But with 9.06 left in the second quarter, the Cyclones had scored more points on Sooners and just over 20 minutes of football, they had scored more points on the Sooners than any opponent had to this point of the season. They're sitting at 21-20, 259 yards, 8.4 yards per play. And then what happened? We saw legitimate, real-time defensive adjustments that changed the game. Didn't just slow Iowa State down, completely stonewalled Iowa State. Ended their night. So much so that Matt Campbell said after the game, like he said their, their adjustment in the second half was to bring more pressure, and they did that well. It was a good adjustment by them. I mean, Matt Campbell was like, look, they beat us. I mean, they're, they're, I've got them. I've got them on the ropes. I'm throwing haymakers 20 minutes into this game. I've got them where I want them. And then they made an adjustment and knocked us out. Over the remaining 39 minutes and change of this game, Iowa State would only get 93 more yards on offense. Now think about that. Think about that. through Through the first quarter and a little over five, almost six minutes into the second quarter, 259 yards of offense. The remainder of the second quarter and the second half, 93 yards of offense. Iowa State's last six offensive possessions ended with four punts, an interception, and a turnover on downs. What's the difference? Well, the difference is the reason why I'm saying we should be encouraged about this team. To to me, this is the biggest sign of encouragement that I've seen for an Oklahoma football team this season. It's the biggest sign of encouragement I've seen for the Oklahoma football team since Brent Venables took over. They made a real-time in-game adjustments, and they dominated an opponent who had them on the ropes. I know, I know. You can make the argument, oh, Iowa State should have never had them on the ropes. Yes, I get that argument. But Iowa State was clearly doing something that wasn't on film. Iowa State had pulled a rabbit out of their hat, so to speak, and Oklahoma didn't know how to deal with it at first. But Oklahoma changed what it was doing, and it stopped what Iowa State was doing, and the Cyclones had no answer. It went from a 21-20 to 20 game to a 50-20 to 20 final. It's the third time this season Oklahoma scored 50 points or more. It's the second most points that Iowa State has given up to any opponent under Matt Campbell. And think about it from this perspective. Coming into this game, the last, this was a big stat last week. I mean, this was thrown out there. The last three trips to Norman, Oklahoma had an advantage, a score advantage over Iowa State of 101 to 100. The last three times the Cyclones have been to Norman, total score, Oklahoma wins by one point. Traditionally close games in Norman. Sooner scored 50 on Saturday. So, look, that's the highest scoring output Oklahoma's had against Iowa State since 2015. They won that year 52-16. to 16. So, I, I'm, I started out by saying I'm worried about this, and I, I looked at the strength of schedule and just trying to find, and it's, it's just a legitimate question. It's not there to, to cause 
mass concern. It's not there to say, I think we have no chance against Texas. It's not there to, to be a Debbie Downer. It's not there to rain on the parade. It's a legitimate question. Who is Oklahoma's best win of the season? What is the quality win? If you had to rank them, which one is the best? So that's my cause for concern. But my confidence is, is at an all-time high in this coaching staff because I saw something on Saturday night. I mean, when's the last time you saw the defense make an adjustment to that, to, to have that much difference on the outcome of a game? When's the last time you can go back? Because you saw what Colorado did to USC. That Alex Grinch defense, whether it's at Oklahoma or whether it's at USC, it's the same. Alex Grinch isn't surviving that the way Brent Venables did. And Brent Venables defense year one is not surviving that the way Brent Venables uh, defense year two did on Saturday night. That is marked improvement. And there's a lot of people out there who were skeptical after Arkansas State. They were skeptical after SMU. They were skeptical after Tulsa. They were really skeptical after they go on the road to Cincinnati. You're looking for something to hang your hat on and you can say, ha, there it is. This team's better than 2022 and I know why. Here it is. It's the defense. It's the adjustments. It's the depth that allows them to do what they did against Iowa State. So, I'm I'm happy. I'm pleased. I'm encouraged. I'm more encouraged by that going into the Texas game than I am curious or maybe a little bit concerned about the scheduling going into the Texas game. Now, the running back situation, I got to throw that out here as well. Then here in a minute, we're going to talk about the things we talked about leading up into this game. But second week in a row, Marcus Major leads the team in carries. Second week in a row, Marcus Major logs a season high. 19 rushing attempts for Major on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, I, I was happy to hear, not that I'm not happy to hear that he's injured, but I was happy to hear that Brent Venables did address Javante Barnes because that does answer a question. Is he not practicing well? Is he in the doghouse? No, he's injured. He's still trying to work his way back from the offseason surgery he had. Now we can put that to rest. We don't need to dwell on that anymore. But I think this is what we're looking at running back, guys. I said going in to this game, it's time to figure it out. And it wasn't great. I mean, honestly, it wasn't great. Yards per carry, guys with multiple carries, Yards per carry, your, your, your leading rusher was Dylan Gabriel at 4.6 yards per carry. Also, two rushing touchdowns. The only guy to cross the goal line on the ground. Marcus Major, 16 carries, 66 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. Gavin Salchuk, 7 carries, 20 yards, 2.9 yards per carry. Tawe Walker, 4 carries, 17 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. Had the, had the really big run that was called back for a holding penalty that, I mean, you, you could... I mean, look, you, you could really make a big stink and say that wasn't holding, but at the same time, you could say by textbook definition it was. I don't think it should have been called. I don't think it impacted the play, um, but it is what it is. But I think this is what we're looking at. And then, you know, the next shift with this running game is going to be when Javante Barnes is back and healthy. Is that going to be next week against Texas? Who knows? 
But I don't think there is a feature back for Oklahoma right now. And you're five games into the season. You're, you're at the halfway point after Saturday's game in the Cotton Bowl. We've not seen a feature back. I don't know that there is one. But 157 yards on the ground, 41 rushing attempts as a team, two rushing touchdowns, a 50-point night. Maybe this is just, I, again, I, I misdiagnosed this team. I really thought after what we saw against Florida State, that probably this is the last time you'll hear me say this, maybe not, I don't know. I really thought that we're seeing the, the, the evolution of this offense under Jeff Levy with these running backs. Now, granted, you haven't had the running backs at 100%. But maybe it's just, man, maybe it's just I'm running the ball to keep the defense honest so I can pass the ball. Which is fine because it's working. You're a number two scoring offense in the country. But in terms of just grounding it out against opponents, not really doing that. But the overall product, it's, it's really hard to complain about it. You know, I, I, I want to throw something else out here just for a minute on, on officiating. Because we, I did. We got into the officials after the Cincinnati game. But I, I really thought Oklahoma got the majority of the favorable cause, cause, calls, flags going their way against Iowa State on Saturday night. I mean, I really thought. I, I mean, honestly, I thought Oklahoma got more beneficial calls than Iowa State did. And there were more times that I was like, I don't know that that should be a penalty. And I was saying that about Oklahoma benefiting from a penalty. And then the, the blatant pass interference, we're just going to tackle you and not let you catch the ball, or we're even going to look <laughs> second week in a row, we're going to look super foolish trying to prevent you from catching the ball and then you're still going to catch the ball and we're going to get flagged. Those calls were there. And they weren't there a week ago. So, I, look, I, I, I really got on about officiating after last Saturday in Cincinnati. After the Iowa State game, I at least got to say that. I mean, I at least have to point that out there. I, and I'm curious what's going to happen this Saturday because there's no love lost with either one of these teams with OU in Texas. All right, let's jump back after this break and talk about the things we talked about, and we'll wrap up this episode, and then we can go full-fledged into uh, the Red River rivalry next Saturday morning at 11 a.m. kickoff in Dallas. I had a quote pulled up here from, um, from Jaden Gibson that I wanted to throw into the last segment, and I just I, I missed it. Um, but talking about how this team last year would not have responded, right? Um Jaden Gibson said after the game, he said, you know, and, and again, I'll, it was defensive adjustments. The, the offense clicked pretty much all night long. And, and Jaden Gibson's an offensive guy. But when we're talking about the overall team, metal, team mentality, Jaden Gibson says, we're just not on none of that soft stuff. Nothing. We're going hard. Someone punches us in the mouth, we finna punch right back. I feel... Like we never recovered last year. Boom. There it is. You weren't the only one who felt that way. I wasn't the only one who felt that way. Sooner Nation weren't the only ones who felt that way. The team felt that way. 
I feel like we never recovered last year. And then he goes on to say, this year, I feel like we can recover from anything. Parker Thune posted that on Twitter or X or whatever you kids are calling it these days. And that, that's a big thing. That's a big statement. For, for, first of all, it's a, it's, a, it's a look into the mentality of where this team is right now. And they're definitely looking back on last year, and they are, in my opinion, is kind of avenging what happened last year. They're looking in the mirror and they're saying, this is who we were last year. It's not who we are this year. This would have happened to us last year. It's not happening to us this year. You're looking at marked improvement. Guess what? So are we. We're looking at marked improvement, and I'm telling you right now, we got punched in the mouth last year, and we never recovered. This year, if you punch us in the mouth, get ready for a brawl. And the reason I throw that out there, because it kind of plays into what I talked about in that last segment about this team. You're looking for something that's different. You're looking for positivity. You're looking for signs of improvement. You're looking for something to hang your hat on that 2022 and 2023 night and day different. Well, there it is. That that reinforces what I said. But the other reason why I'm throwing that out there for us to talk about is that if they're avenging what happened in 2022, if they're out to set the record straight, so to speak, Saturday's their biggest opportunity. 49 to nothing in the Cotton Bowl last year to Texas. And they have heard about that for 52 weeks now. That's going to be on their mind. That's going to play into this. And they're talking about not being soft. Guys like Reggie Pearson, guys like Key Lawrence, guys like Danny Stutzman on the defensive side of the ball. They're proving that. Then they're going to go out. This is going to be an all-out war on Saturday in the Cotton Bowl. All-out war. And again, we'll break it down into this week. And we'll have stuff at Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. We'll have another podcast dedicated specifically to Oklahoma and Texas. We're going to have all that for you. But the point I'm making is the mentality is different. They're trying to avenge kind of what happened, what they looked like, who they were in 2022. And this is the biggest opportunity they have coming up to do just that. And you know, here's another thing that's worth mentioning. And it's not, this is not Oklahoma related, but it's worth mentioning. There's a pretty cool story developing in the Big 12. It's something to keep an eye on, and that is West Virginia. I left the Mountaineers for dead after last season. Now, Oklahoma helped Neil Brown keep his job one more year by, the way, by losing that game in Morgantown. But I, I left the Mountaineers for dead. Not only are they 4-1 and one on the season, but they're 2-0 and oh in Big 12 play. And when you look at your undefeated Big 12 teams, you go through there and they, well, Kansas State's undefeated. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Texas, undefeated. Yeah, I saw that coming. Oklahoma, undefeated. Eh, yeah, Cincinnati, Iowa State, saw that coming. West Virginia, undefeated. Wait, what? I mean, I, I honestly, I, I had West Virginia down in the Cincinnati, Houston, Oklahoma State area. 
And for as good as, as of a story West Virginia is and has been, and curious as to what they will be, the flip side of that is Texas Tech. Man, this is a team that's sitting, what, two and three on the season, one and one in Big 12 play? Hmm. I mean, all that hype, all that talk about it. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of funny to me. Because there, you have to be an absolute denier, living under a rock type person to not take at face value that Oklahoma and Texas are the flagship programs of the Big 12. Oklahoma is the flagship program of the Big 12. Texas is right there with them, right below them. But you got these people out there saying, no, 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 we don't need them. We'll be the new flagship program. We'll take over. We'll run this conference. We like this. This is going to give us a path to the playoff. We're going to add Colorado and we're going to add Utah and we're going to, you know, whatever. Then you look and you see Texas Tech, two and three. Oklahoma State, two and two. TCU, three and two. Man, look, this is going to be an ultra-competitive conference next year. But Utah, don't you just think Utah is going to come in and run this thing? I mean, Utah is going to be the new Oklahoma slash Texas of the Big 12. And in terms of Oklahoma, they're going to, I think they're just going to come in and run this conference. They are going to run it in football. And then their their fan base. I mean, they've they've got a pretty crazy fan base. This if if I look if I'm Utah, I mean they they got pasted at Oregon State, but Cameron Rising's not playing, and I don't I don't know what happens. They're off this coming week. If Cameron Rising doesn't play, this they're off this coming Saturday. If Cameron Rising doesn't play the following Saturday. And I'm a member of the Big 12 in 2024. I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. They're going to get this kid in medical hardship. And now the Big 12 is going to have to face Cameron Rising in 2024. That is a possibility. But even without Cameron Rising, if I'm Utah, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this pool of of teams I'm moving into a conference with. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is going to be fun. And don't think Dion's not licking his chops either, licking the way some of these guys are playing defense. Of course, he's got to figure out how to play defense himself. Okay, I digress. That's almost eight minutes of non-Oklahoma-Iowa State stuff. Let's let's jump in here. Let's talk about the things that we talked about. Um, I made a couple of game predictions for this, um, and uh, let's just see where I was right and where I was wrong. The first thing I said is that Oklahoma would finally get its running game established. Um, nope. Not happening. You could say, I mean, you, there's different ways you can take this. Established meaning this is what we're going to have for the rest of the year. Maybe you can make an argument. This is just the way it's going to be for the rest of the year. So therefore you were right. But that's not what I was talking about. That's not what I was saying. When I say established, I meant they're going to do better than 3.8 yards per carry. They're going to do better than 157 yards on the ground on 41 rushing attempts. So I don't, I'm not going to give myself any credit for this. I'm not going to say that I was right on this because I expected, even though it was a very good 
defensive front for Iowa State. It, a team that gives up less than 100 yards per game on the ground, and the Sooners went for 150. Right? I'm still not going to call that good. By the way, Marcus Major is your new leading rusher for Oklahoma, uh, both in carries and in yards. So he passed Tawi Walker on Saturday. Marcus Major now 51 rushing attempts for 199 yards. Walker with 38 rushing attempts for 193 yards. Where Walker has everyone beat in that running back room right now is 5.1 yards per carry. But at the end of the day, did Oklahoma get its running game established? No. I think we could have made a stronger argument had Walker's run not been called back late in the game, but even at that, it would have been a weak argument. The second thing had to do with the running game, I said that Oklahoma's defense would dominate Iowa State's running game. The Cyclones came into this game um, not a strong rushing offense, and Oklahoma came into this game averaging less than 100 yards per game on the ground. And Iowa State, they, they passed the test. Now, they ran for less, for fewer yards than Oklahoma did, 150. And you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 time out, time out. Oklahoma had 157 yards, and you say they didn't establish the running game. Iowa State had 150 yards, and you're saying with seven less yards, they get credit? Uh, yes, yes, they do because of two things. Number one, I said Oklahoma would dominate Iowa State's rushing attack, and they didn't do it. They gave up 150 yards on the ground. That is not dominating. Also, the second thing here that you got to look at is not only did Oklahoma give up 150 yards on the ground, Iowa State averaged 5.6 yards per carry. Yeah, that's not domination, guys. Not domination. So I'm 0 for 2 on my game predictions, but here we go. Here we go. I got one. Over and under on this game was 48 and a half. I said the game would hit the over. Oklahoma hit the over all by themselves with 50 points. So ding, 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 winner. Um, and then I said Oklahoma's offense would trend back up. And, you, and this, is, um, it's, this is really, because I'm a stat nerd, this is really interesting to watch. Because you have a team that shot, shot out of the gate, 73 points. And then they're down in the 20s. 66 points. And then they're down in the 20s. And I said going into this game that I didn't think Oklahoma would break the 60 barrier. And dang it, they probably could have if they wanted to. But I said 35 points is going to be the floor for Oklahoma on Saturday. And they ended up with 50. Now, 7-9 with the, with, the, um, with the interception, the pick six. And, and then the, um, you had Peyton Bowen's blocked punt that ended up in a safety. So that's nine points scored by defense and special teams. Still 41 points for Oklahoma's offense. I said 35 was going to be the floor. Um, and so there you have it. I mean, that's, um, that's offense trending back up uh, on Saturday. So that, I mean, it makes me two for two going into the last thing. And now I'm going to be two and three because I said – Pre, pre-game, I said that a member of Oklahoma's defensive secondary will lead the team in tackles. Listen, guys, never pick against Danny Stutzman. I, I, I think I want to say I think I've learned my lesson. Danny Stutzman, six tackles on Saturday, leads the team. Um, one tackle for loss. But then you had Key Lawrence, Reggie Pearson, Peyton Bowen, all with four tackles. So you had three members of the secondary 
that that tied for second. So I mean, I got close, but close doesn't really help you in this situation. It's right or wrong, and I was wrong. By the way, nine tackles for loss uh, for Oklahoma's defense on Saturday night. Another impressive stat that you got to keep an eye on um, when you're when you're gauging defensive success. Um, And and I just I, I. I didn't think Iowa State would have the success that they had on the ground. I, I don't think anybody thought that. And I thought they would pass the ball more. Um, you know, they, they passed, but I, look, I was wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go after anymore. I was absolutely wrong. Okay, one last thing. Um, here's some things I said, key players that I mentioned. Um, Dylan Gabriel back on. I, I know he's going to get some heat for an interception that he threw, but Dylan Gabriel had a good night. 39, 26 of 39, passing 366 yards through the air, 9.4 yards per attempt, three touchdowns with the interception. Also 37 yards on the ground and two more touchdowns. So Dylan Gabriel was uh, was accountable for five touchdowns on Saturday night. That was quick math because I didn't have those numbers added up uh, before then. Uh, Rocco Beck was impressive. Um, I'm not going mean, Iowa State's quarterback, um, for, for being a true freshman, he had two interceptions. One of them was the, the pick six at the beginning. But, I mean, he, I thought he overcame some pretty difficult situations, made some good throws, had the two touchdown passes. Uh, but Dylan Gabriel, clearly the better of the two quarterbacks on the field Saturday night. We've talked about the running backs. We talked about the running game. You know, is Marcus Major last week of 15 carries. And then Saturday night against Iowa State for 19 carries. That's the way it's going to be. Um, what we didn't see coming was uh, was this uh, Sama kid from uh, Abu Sama averaging 9.6 yards against Oklahoma. Eli Sanders averaging 5.9 yards. Cartavius Norton averaging 8.5 yards. Now, those guys were limited in carries. You got 16 total carries between those three guys. But, man, Iowa State, they won the ground game. Well, you know, we've already talked about that. Um, Andrew Anthony, interesting that he kind of disappeared. Right, I mean they I, they played him well. One catch for 16 yards. I, he was the guy. I was like, look, he's the offense is going to go through him. But then I said, look at Nick Anderson and Jalil Farouk, based off of what defenses are going to be adjusting for Andrew Anthony. Well, Jalil Farouk five catches, 81 yards. Nick Anderson scored again. Two catches, 56 yards. And then we can't talk about Oklahoma's receivers without saying, what, Brennan Thompson? Number 15, Brennan Thompson out there? Two catches, 62 yards? Did he get hurt again? I I don't know that we're talking about that enough, but on the long run by Tawi Walker, Brennan Thompson just kind of collapses. It looks like just something gave out. Nothing was mentioned about it. Haven't heard anything about it, but man, it was just an awkward way to fall by yourself down the field. But to have a guy averaging 31 yards of a catch, throw him out there with Andrew Anthony, yeah, you might have a, a headache for opposing defenses. Didn't see that coming, but I, I'm glad it did. And then defenders, um, Jaron Kanick back. I, 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 I said, I kind of hope they hold him out. I want him better. I want him ready for Texas. I want him 100%. But Kenick was there, three tackles uh, on the game. Um, so those are just some guys that, that we said to keep an eye on and, and how they did uh, pregame and compared to postgame. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up. Oklahoma 5-0. and Get ready to head down to the Cotton Bowl to face the Texas Longhorns at 5-0. and Big, big game. First time since 2011. The two teams were undefeated. Uh, we'll start talking about that first thing on Monday. Have a great week, everybody. Boomer Sooner. Bye.